3ABN Australia Radio would like to welcome you to Songs of Praise.
father there is no shadow of turning with thee thou changes not thy compassions they fail not as thou hast been thou forever will be great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness Oh, 
pleased you have joined us on Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.
I would lay me down to sleep and pray the Lord my soul to keep. Though I never saw him there, I believe he heard each prayer. For God was great and God was good. I knew if I spoke the words, he would be listening. The years can take us far away from the simple childlike faith. But I am longing to place where I first learned that God is great and God is good. So I will speak the words. God our Father once again, I bow my head to pray. You are for help or praise flowing from a thankful heart like each time before I come knowing you're still listening I will never understand how the words of mortal man Reach the ears of one so pure and touch his heart, but they do, I'm sure. God is great and God is good and he is love. God our Father once again, I bow.
sin to hide, but you have sent him from your side to walk upon this guilty sod and to become the Lamb of God. Your gift of love they crucified, they laughed and scorned him as he died. The humble king they named the fraud and sacrificed the Lamb of God. Oh, Lamb of God, sweet Lamb of God, I love the Christ the Lamb of God. I was so lost I should have died, but you have Jesus Christ, the Lamb of
Psalm 33.2 Give thanks to the Lord. Sing praises to Him with the harp of ten strings. i 
Yeah. 
sins away. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. We hope you are being encouraged to see the goodness of God on songs of praise. They heard his voice, they saw his face, the promised Savior come to earth in days long past. His hand has calmed 
my troubled heart and I believe they heard his voice they saw his face they heard his teachings of forgiveness
Tenderly, Jesus. 
forward to your company next time on Songs of Praise. Bye for now and may God bless you. Today, in 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading, we are continuing Banish the Night by the late missionary pilot and pastor Len Barnard, read by Clive Nash. The book is set in Papua New Guinea and is broadcast with the kind permission of Pacific Press and is available in print and digital editions online. Continuing Chapter 6, Intertribal Warfare. A government patrol had recently been sent to quell fighting between these two tribes. But the tribesmen attacked the patrol as it came down a ridge, and several policemen were wounded. The patrol, however, outflanked the savages and sent them scurrying down the mountainside, leaving 37 shields and hundreds of arrows. But these hardened warriors would not easily admit defeat. During the night they concealed themselves behind huge boulders and again showered the patrol with arrows. When the sun rose, the Australian officer appealed to them to surrender, but they shouted defiance until he advanced toward them covered by his policemen. As warning bullets spattered the rock where the tribesmen stood, the chief finally capitulated. But now their hearts were subdued. We want peace, the chief told me. Peace with our neighbours and the government. Peace with God. Please help us. We do not know how to live peaceably. Again, the power of the word of God was demonstrated and the two-edged sword proved mightier than guns. Both sides laid down their weapons before me and promised to follow the mission way of life. One chief pointed to a man, his wife and their young son. These are all that are left in one whole village just across the valley. The constant feuding among ferocious fighters had killed all the rest. Shortly after, we sent a married evangelist to Byra. He effected an amazing transformation of the two tribes. Those who formerly stalked each other now walk and worship together. Our schoolteacher at Omora was a Masao Islander named Tamanji. I asked him if he would like to spend his term in vacation at Byra village helping to build a church. He readily agreed, but he also requested permission to visit a new tribe over the shoulder of Mount Peora in the Asiana Valley. I consented reluctantly, as the area was the stronghold of the barbarous Kukukukus, the most feared fighters of New Guinea. But since he felt a responsibility for these people, I knew God would guide and protect him. I assured him that we would be praying for him daily and I warned him to be particularly careful. With a pack on his back and a picture roll under his arm, Tamanji set off. In twelve days at Byra, with the willing aid of the villagers, Tamanji constructed the framework of a church. Then his thoughts turned to the Asiana Valley. Early in the morning, he began his journey with a medical orderly. They took a young lad as an interpreter. They crossed a deep gorge scaled the slopes of Mount Peora and slept under its shadow. The people of a village here tried to persuade Tamanji not to visit the dreaded Kukukukus. They told how four of their own number had visited there. When these failed to return, eight more were sent to investigate the cause, and they found that the four had been killed.
Feigning sorry for the murders, the treacherous Kukukukus promised compensation and made a feast for the delegation. But when the feasting was nearly over, the Kukukukus savagely attacked their guests. Only one escaped to struggle back and with serious wounds tell the sad tale. But Tamanji would not be intimidated. He believed in the protecting power of the great God above while he was doing his work. This testimony provided an introduction to the gospel story which Tamanji repeated. A friendly Kukukuku man, not present when the murders were committed, happened to be in this village and offered to take Tamanji over to his people. But as he could not leave early in the morning, Tamanji and his two companions left without him. Before dawn, the two men of God with their young interpreter resumed their trek along the muddy trail and through the heavy mountain mist. By mid-afternoon, they reached the first village and were greeted sullenly by armed men. Not knowing the language well, the evangelists had difficulty explaining the purpose of their visits. The Kukukukus eyed them suspiciously and discussed among themselves what should be done with the intruders. Death appeared imminent. Just then, the man who had met them over the mountain arrived, rushing to Tamanji, throwing his arms around him, and declaring that Tamanji was his friend. He told his tribesmen to listen to Tamanji and look at his pictures. Without delay, the picture roll was held aloft, and the wondrous story of God's boundless love was told. As they listened attentively, the people gradually softened. Captivated by the story of Jesus, they wanted Tamanji to remain with them. But that was impossible. The medical orderly treated those who were suffering from various maladies, further winning the hearts of these cuckoo-cuckoos. They agreed to give up their murderous ways and be friendly to their neighbours. Several days later, Tamanji and his companions were on the trail once more, recrossing the range with rejoicing hearts. When they arrived in the village where they had been warned against the cuckoo-cuckoos, the people were amazed to see them, and their admiration for the god of Tamanji was increased. Taking a shorter route now, the mission party planned to cross the Lamari River and spend the night at Baira village. At about eight o'clock in the morning, while still in cuckoo-cuckoo country, they reached an unknown village. As he passed through, Tamanji spoke cheerfully to the glum-faced, unresponding villagers. One of them noticed the wide belt Tamanji was wearing and probably thought he was an unarmed policeman. A few weeks previously, a policeman had apprehended one of the villagers for murder and they were eager for revenge. Kill him, kill him, they cried, rushing into their huts, the men seizing extra arrows, the women snatching their children and running off into the jungle. With pounding hearts, the three men hastened on, each one praying. Following them along the top of the ridge, the enraged cuckoo-cuckoos took aim at Tamanji and his friends below. But a man dashed down from the group above and ran toward Tamanji, while the wild mob shouted to him, "'Get out of the way! We want to kill the strangers!' The man raced on, telling Tamanji not to follow the trail or they would be ambushed and killed. He directed them over a fence and across a garden, where they were able to melt into the jungle. Thus they were saved from arrows and certain death. With tears of gratitude flowing, Tamanji told me of this escape, certain that one who came to their rescue was a disguised angel. 
Now, hundreds of the cuckoo cuckoos happily fill churches and give glory to God, living proof that perfect love casteth out fear. Chapter 7 Moi Yi Stationed at a mission outpost on the western slopes of mighty Mount Michael were an intrepid young man named Moi Yi, his wife and two children and two assistants. The tribesmen at this place had pleaded passionately for help from us, and this group had willingly responded. The village was situated on the bend of the Tua River, where it abruptly changes its southerly course and flows westward. Moyi often gazed downstream and wondered about the stories he had heard of the mysterious people dwelling toward the setting of the sun. Did they really live in trees like animals? Did they actually eat their own dead? If so, should they not be told about Jesus? But who would go? He himself? The thought burned in his mind until finally he made the decision. Sadly, Moyi bade his wife and children goodbye, for the people he intended to visit were savages. One of his helpers would accompany him. The other was charged with the care of Moyi's family during his absence. If Moyi did not return within a month, this man was to take the family back to their village, and they were not to mourn for him. Committing his loved ones to God's protection, this apostle to the highland and his friend set their faces westward. Day after day the two plodded on, sleeping in strange villages and never failing to acquaint the people with the gospel story. In each place they were warned not to venture into the country of the tree-dwellers. But always Moyi assured them that he must go on even at the cost of his life. At last there loomed ahead the last mountain between them and their destination. The jungle was dense, and blood-sucking leeches tormented them. Hacking their way through the undergrowth, they struggled up to the summit and caught their first glimpse of the unknown Karimui district. By mid-afternoon, the travellers were passing through primitive gardens where the people had planted taro, cow-cow and bananas between the trunks of felled trees. As the jungle parted, revealing signs of human habitation, Moyi and his friends stopped in their tracks and stared at a tall, two-storey structure. This was the reason these people were called tree-dwellers. Their houses were built high off the ground, and in some cases living tree trunks were used as supports. Suddenly the visitors realised that they had been seen. A wild cry issued from the building, and men appeared at the doorway of the upper floor armed with bows and arrows. Seeing that Moyi and his companion were unarmed, the men relaxed a little, cautiously came down the rickety stairway and approached the missionaries. "'Who are these brave but foolish strangers who came to see us?' asked one. "'What are we going to do with them?' queried another. "'Why not dispose of them as we do with all misguided visitors?' suggested an old man." As Moyi's companion voiced his fears, Moyi hung his picture roll on a tree stump. Not having seen such a thing before, the warriors gathered around and were soon intrigued by the pictures and stories. Could it be possible that there is a God who loves men and does not require appeasement? As the evangelist continued the sweet story of Jesus, sudden looks changed to smiles, evil intentions died, cruel hearts were mellowed by the Holy Spirit, and bows and arrows fell to the ground. More men appeared, 
Women and children squatted timidly in the background, enraptured by the pictures and the message. Then an elderly man near the back started forward. Aware of the crowd's interest, yet fearing a change of mood, Moi Yi watched intently. The man stopped in front of the picture roll and gazed at the face of Jesus depicted there. I have seen this man's face before, he announced to the people. The story you have just heard is true. This stranger has come with a message from the great God above and what he says we must do. With astonishment, Moi Yi and his friend listened to the old man's story. Years before, he was one day working in his garden when dark clouds and rumblings of thunder gave warning of a violent outburst of the elements. A brilliant flash of lightning and a deafening crash from the heavens sent him sprawling on the ground in fear. When he regained a little composure, he raised his eyes and saw, serenely looking down at him from the cloud, a face that was strong yet full of compassion. Slowly the picture faded, but not before it had etched itself indelibly upon the old man's mind. The appealing face had changed the pattern of his whole life. No longer did he join in the heathen rituals or cannibal feasts. He was a man apart, waiting to see more of the face in the cloud. Immediately, Moyi was elevated to a place of honour by the men of Karamui, and every day he proclaimed the gospel without fear. To be continued. Tune in again next week for the next episode of Banish the Night, written by Len Barnard and read by Clive Nash. Let's listen to William Ackland as he shares a psalm from his paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift. Today's psalm is Psalm 17, a prayer of David. The theme, God will save me at last. I bring my just cause to you, O Lord, so please listen to my cry. Please listen to what I say as I pray in truth. May I be exonerated in your presence, and may you look upon only those things that are good. You have tested me to the core of my being, and have spoken to me in the night hours. You have examined me, but have found nothing evil, for I determined that I would not sin in what I said. Concerning the things that people say and do, I have chosen to be guided by your words, and so have kept myself from those who would kill me. Strengthen me in your way, O Lord, so that my feet will not slip into perverse paths. I have called upon you, for I know you will hear me, O God. So please turn your ear to me and listen to my prayer. Bless me with your marvellous mercy and by your strong right hand. You, O Lord, deliver those who trust in you from those who would oppose us at every step. Keep me as the apple of your eye and shelter me under your protective wings from the wicked who would torment me, from my enemies who would seek my life. They have shut tightly their unfeeling hearts and have boasted about many things. They have finally found me and now surround me. They have looked carefully for me, even searching the ground for traces of my steps. Just as a lion that is about to pounce on its prey, and like a young lion, eager for its next meal. 
Arise now, O Lord, challenge them and throw them to the ground. Save my life from those wicked ones with the sword of your power, and save me from the hands of men by your strong arm. Yes, save me from the men of this world whose only reward is in this life. You satisfy your people with your special gifts. Their children are well provided for, and when they die, they leave some wealth for their offspring. But as for me, all I want to see is your righteous face and awake from the grave to behold my great God.'" 